Grace and peace in the name of our Lord and Savior. I am delighted to introduce our guest preacher this morning, Howard Dudley. He and his wife, Meg, are good friends of mine. They both were participants in our Trent Symposium for Newly Ordained Ministers, and that's where our friendship began. Howard is educated. He went to Eastern North Carolina University and also to my alma mater, Union Presbyterian Seminary. Howard's first church was a small church in Mississippi, and there he also had a wonderful chapter serving as a college chaplain at the University of Mississippi. From there, he went to be senior minister at First Presbyterian Church of Dunn, North Carolina. He is a wonderful musician. He is a great communicator and a terrific preacher and teacher. I know that you're going to enjoy his sermon. And now let us prepare our minds and hearts to worship God. Good morning. You can be seated. <laughs> oh, good morning. My name is Howard Dudley. I'm glad to be with you all here today. I've been with you all before. I've gotten to preach for your church before, and I got to lead a uh, retreat for your church at Massanetta some years ago, too. And so it's I'm grateful to be back with you. I feel like I'm getting to know Roanoke pretty well between... Um, Coming here to Second Pres. Also, um, one of my really, really dear friends is Andrew Whaley, who is the head of staff at your sister church at Raleigh Court. He's on sabbatical, so he and his family are here today. Uh, and so thank you. I'm honored. To, Andrew, it, George told me to do that. So, you know, just just welcome to you as well. Um, uh, I'm going to read this morning from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, the text I'm going to read comes from the end of the Gospel of Matthew's famous Sermon on the Mount. This is how Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount. It's a familiar parable. It's Matthew chapter uh, 7, verses 24 through 27. I invite you to listen for God's word to us this morning. Jesus says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet the house did not fall because it had a foundation of rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. When the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, it fell with a mighty crash. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, well, the title of my sermon this morning is also the title of uh, my talk over the next couple of days, The Case for Going to Church. And it is Sunday morning, and we are not at church. I mean, we're having church. We're here. We're, we're having church. We're worshiping. So, you know, I guess that counts, but I still find it kind of ironic that we chose not to go to church on this morning when I'm making the case for going to church. Uh, this morning, uh, I, I had to navigate my way here through your wonderful city uh, a little bit different way than you may normally would go. I already didn't know where I was going because there's an Ironman triathlon happening this morning. Uh, on Sunday morning, it is amazing the things you can do with your Sunday mornings, you can run a triathlon. Back in the town where I live in North Carolina, we have this little family restaurant that's called Cornerstone. 
And back when my kids were a little bit younger, uh, my wife and I had this tradition. We had Fridays off, and so we would we would go to Cornerstone on Friday mornings, and we would bring our kids and for breakfast. And it was amazing. It was the best breakfast I've ever had. They had these chorizo omelets. You could order mimosas. They had waffles that my kids loved. We did it every Friday. And it was a a, a great tradition for our family. And then there was this one Friday where we showed up and there was a sign hanging on the door. And the sign told us that because of, of staff shortages, and by the way, this was a while ago, this was like 2019, because of staff shortages, they were no longer going to be um, having uh, breakfast on weekdays. But instead, they were going to be offering a brunch menu on Sunday mornings. This was devastating. For me and my family, because we are a family that on Sunday mornings gets up and gets dressed and goes to church. We're paid to. (laughs) Both me and my wife, we're both pastors. She is the pastor of another congregation just down the road from mine. So every Sunday morning, we have to get up and get dressed and go to church because it's our job. We're paid to do it. And if we don't do it, church doesn't happen without us. And so this meant that our cornerstone breakfast days were done. And then fast forward to March of 2020, and you won't believe it, the craziest thing happened. COVID-19 came into our lives, of course. And for a time, it was no longer safe for us to get up and get dressed and go to church. Now, like most churches, like your church, my church, my wife's church, we, we kind of figured out how to make this work. What we started doing was recording sermons and music and putting it together in a worship service and then posting it online so everybody could watch from home on Sunday mornings. And this got us through that time where we could not have in-person worship. But this meant that for a time, now y'all can't tell my church I told you about this. My family and I, we had our Sunday mornings free to do whatever we wanted. We discovered a world where people did things on Sunday morning. Do you know that people do things on Sunday morning? Now we couldn't do anything we wanted because like the world was mostly shut down, but there was still this world of things that we could do. It all kind of started when we were gonna watch church one Sunday morning and, and we realized that we had a big pile of laundry in our guest room. Does anybody else have a big pile of laundry in their guest room? We do because we've got two kids and we work all the time, which means we, we keep a large pile of laundry waiting to be folded in our guest room. And Sunday mornings, it turned out, was the perfect time to fold that laundry. My wife took up gardening. She started planting um, azaleas outside of our house in this little garden area, and she even built a fire pit. It was amazing. I tried to go running on Sunday mornings. That did not last very long. I am not a runner. Um, And eventually, after a few months, we went back to in-person worship, to live worship services. But before we did, there was this one Sunday. It was the Sunday before we were going back into our in-person worship services. And my wife woke up on that Sunday morning and tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you know what we should do today? She said, we should go to brunch. I said, we can't go to brunch. There's no way Cornerstone is open. There's a, glo- there's a global pandemic. But she looked it up. And not only was Cornerstone open, they had outdoor seating. And so on that last Sunday before we went back to in-person worship, 
my family and I got to go to Cornerstone and eat chorizo omelets and drink mimosas and waffles for Sunday brunch. You cannot tell my church I said this, but it was amazing. (laughs) It was amazing. Now, I mean, I don't want you to get me wrong. I'm a church guy deep down to my bones. And during those times when we were away, I missed coming to church. And that first Sunday when we came back in person, I had to fight back tears because I was so overwhelmed by the feeling of being able to be together with God's people again. But I will be honest, that first Sunday then turned into a second Sunday and then a third Sunday and then a fourth Sunday. And I found that it was kind of hard for me to get back in the rhythm of getting up and getting dressed and going to church. I was out of the habit. And I have to think that if it was hard for me, the guy who is paid to do it, It also probably had to be hard for some of you as well. Just guessing. I don't know about your church. Um, Here's what I'm seeing in my church. After two and a half years of this pandemic, our attendance right now is maybe like three-fourths of what it was uh, before COVID. Um, And we have some people in our church who have specific health concerns, so they're still staying home, right? Because COVID is still with us. It's still there. It's still out there. Um, But for the most part, that's not the difference. Those people staying home, it's not the difference. The difference is the people um, who come to church are coming to church less. So people in my church who used to go three to four times a month now go once or twice a month. And people who used to go once or twice a month are now going once or twice a quarter. And we have some that are there every week. I don't want you to get me wrong. But people are coming to church less. That's what we're saying. And people come to church less. This is not a new problem. COVID, I think, made the problem worse. But this has been a trend that has been happening for decades. And if you want to know why people are coming to church less, it's not hard to find people who have theories as to why. You, you can go read book after book after book about why. And, and, and these theories, I think you've got to take them seriously. I mean, the, the reasons people aren't coming to church are complicated and they're varied. And we have to, as the church, as Christians, we have to take these concerns and these reasons they might not be coming seriously. For one, we just live in a more skeptical world than we used to. We get up and what we do when we come here is we talk about a guy who died and we buried him and then he came back to life. That sounds crazy to a lot of people. And you got to be able to understand how to explain that story because that story seems kind of like a fairy tale to more and more people. I think you got to take that seriously. Um, There are other people for whom the very thought of going to church is a painful thing because they or people like them have in the past found the church to be a place where they were abused or excluded or hurt or taken advantage of. And why would anybody subject that themselves to that again after going through something like that? I think you got to take that seriously too. Um, There are other people out there who are perfectly inclined to, to, to talk about Jesus. They love this Jesus guy and they love the story. But then when they come to church, what they find are a whole bunch of people who seem wholly concerned with things Jesus was not particularly concerned with. And they're kind of fed up with the hypocrisy so they don't come. I think you got to take that seriously too. But I think 
that for most of us, particularly those of us who come to church, but maybe don't come to church as often as we used to, as often as we should, as often as we mean to, don't quite make it every single week. It's a lot more simple than that. Church becomes one more thing on an already busy and hectic calendar that leaves you feeling exhausted and worn out with less time to do anything else in life. And the church will always be there for you the next week and the next and the next and the next. And so that means when the chance comes for you to run a triathlon on a Sunday morning or go out to have chorizo omelets and mimosas for brunch, maybe you'll take it. Because you'll go next week or the week after that. Here's the reality. We live in the busiest time of all of human history. People have never had lives as busy as ours are. You and I, we are constantly connected by, by computers that we carry around in our pockets and even on our wrists to people and communities and ideas and companies and opportunities and movements and products and advice and news from all around the world that we never would have heard a thing about 10 years ago. And that stuff comes at us all the time. And this means that your time is more precious than it has ever been. And in a world like this, every commitment that a person makes, every commitment that you make, if it's worth making, requires a clear and present purpose. So you go to school because you need to learn. You go to work because you need to earn a living to support yourself. You go to the gym because you need to stay in shape. You go to the dentist because you need to get your teeth cleaned. You go on vacation because you need a break. But why do you go to church? Why do you go to church? Like what tangible difference is it supposed to make in our lives? getting up on Sunday mornings and getting dressed and coming to church? That's the question that I want to tackle this week in VBS as your speaker. Because I think part of the problem right now is that we are nowhere near as clear about the answer to that question as we need to be. I mean, think about it for a second. What's your elevator pitch for why somebody should come to Second Presbyterian Church? Not somebody who already goes to another church, but somebody who doesn't go to church at all. Why should they make this a habit of getting up on Sunday morning and coming to church? What are you going to tell them? Um, I asked my own church that question in getting ready for this week. And I found that their answers fell into one of four categories. So the first were there were people who would talk about the, the fact that they come to church because this is where they find their community. This is where they find their community. They, they find friendships and connection with other people. And it's a lonely world out there, right? And it takes a village and all of those things. Good reason. Um, other people would talk about the, the beauty of church. They would talk about the beauty of, of sitting peacefully in the sanctuary. Or the beauty of sitting in the nave of a grand cathedral. Or, or the, the beauty of those hills over there that we get to worship in front of this morning. Or, or the time that our choir sing the soprano descant to holy, holy, holy. If that doesn't move you to tears, 
Me either. <laughs> if that doesn't move you to tears, church can be a beautiful thing. That's a good reason too. Um, other people would talk about service to the greater good when they talk about why they go to church. They brag about how proud they are of the work their church does in the community and all around the world making a difference for their special offerings, for the justice they stand up for, for what's right in the world and in their community. And then the fourth category were these people in my church who were, who were just kind of particularly honest. They were just like, well, I go because I've always gone. Which, to make that a little bit more of a charitable interpretation, I think what they really are saying is that they go out of tradition. They go because they were, when they were younger as kids, they went with their parents and with their grandparents. And now, as they've gotten older, maybe their parents and their grandparents aren't with them anymore. And going to church connects them to those memories and they want to pass that on to a new generation. So community, beauty, service, tradition, all of these things are fine things to get out of church. These are things that I get out of church in my own life. But I have to tell you, none of these things are compelling to someone who doesn't already go. For one thing, church is not the only place where you can find these things. We're not offering anything unique if this is what we're offering. Like, for example, right, if you want community, you can find that at church. You can also find that at a garden guild, at a bowling league, a supper club, and a yoga class. Church can be beautiful, but you know what else has beauty? The symphony, the ballet, the theater. Movies can move you, and they have a much bigger budget than your church. If it's service to the greater good that you want, that's awesome. But then why don't we just skip this church thing, this worship thing on Sunday mornings and go straight to the soup kitchen and start volunteering? Wouldn't that be a better use of our time? And tradition, like tradition is great, but tradition for tradition's sake, that's not compelling to anybody. Tradition for tradition's sake is meaningless. If a tradition is going to have any kind of meaning at all, then it has to be about something bigger than itself. And so what I want to suggest is if there is a compelling reason to get up on Sunday mornings and go to church, it lies with something a lot less tangible, a lot harder to quantify, a lot harder to define, and also a lot harder to talk about because it requires that we have to be vulnerable and we have to be honest about ourselves and honest about the world around us in ways that sometimes make us uncomfortable. And yet this thing, this one thing that makes us want to go to church is also the one thing that makes all the rest of life worth living in the first place. And that thing I want to suggest is hope. Hope. If there's anything that the pandemic has taught me, it's that the only reason ultimately that any of us get up and get dressed and come here on Sunday mornings, the only reason anybody in that world out there would get up and get dressed and come on Sunday mornings is because life is impossible. And we need hope. We need hope. In that parable I read earlier, Jesus talks about this this way. He says, he says that everything in life comes down to two basic realities, two facts of life that all of us have to deal with. We all have to come to terms with. The first reality is this. A life is a thing to be built. A life is a thing to be built. You and I did not bring ourselves into this world and neither are we going to make it out of this world alive. We only have so much time in this life to get what we want to get out of it. 
Every life then has to have some kind of purpose. We have to have commitments that that guide who we are and what we do. And our world is full of wonders and joys that that can make life worth living that we can pursue. Things like families and callings and causes and careers. Beautiful places. But you can't have it all in life. You cannot have it all in life. There's not enough time. And so that means you have to choose. You have to choose what you want from life and then you have to pursue it. And then when you pursue it, it's not handed to you on a silver platter. You have to go out and work for it. You, You have to build a life around what you hope to get out of life. And we all do this. In everything we do, we are building a life. So you go to school not just to learn, but also to gain the skills necessary to live a good life. And you go to work not just to earn a living, but to build a career and to have the resources that you want to live the life that you want. And you go to the gym not just to stay fit, but to take care of your body so that you can live a long and healthy life. And you go to the dentist not just to get your teeth clean, but because a good smile is way more valuable than you could ever think. And you go on vacation not just to take a break, but to make memories with your family and to focus on the things that really are important in life. You see, in everything we do, we are building a life, Jesus says. And there's no one blueprint that you have to follow, no right or wrong way to build a life. It's entirely up to you, the kind of life that you want to build. But Jesus says, be careful. Be careful because the life that you build actually matters deeply because there's this second fact of life, this second um, um, unavoidable fact of life that we all have to contend with. And that is there is stormy weather in the forecast. Always. There is always stormy weather in the forecast. Every bit of beauty life offers, it also offers pain and grief and confusion, and fear. Storms come and life gets hard. Sometimes it's hard because you make it hard on yourself. Sometimes it's hard because other people make it hard on you. And then sometimes it's hard for no discernible reason at all. It's just hard. And storms come. And sometimes the storms come fast and small like a tornado. They come out of nowhere. And they wreck only your life. And then sometimes they come big and wide and they churn out at sea like a hurricane for days and everybody can see it coming, but nobody can get out of the way. But the storm still comes. They come as diagnosis, as disasters, divorce, the death of a loved one. They come in many forms and they are coming. You cannot avoid the storms that are coming in life. And so the only question is when the storm comes, will the life that you have built for yourself, be able to withstand the wind and the water and the rain? Will the life that you have built for yourself be able to withstand the storm? Or could it all just wash away? Because you see, life is not just a thing to be cherished. Life is also a thing that we have to endure. And so that means our lives need more than just purpose. We also need hope. We need hope that in the end, all of our labors will not have been for nothing. That all of our suffering will not have been in vain. Jesus says, if you want a life that can withstand any storm, Build it on Him. 
build it on him. And this, I want to suggest, is why we come to church. We come because the day comes at school when we study and study and study some more and we still can't get our grades up and we still can't pass the test and then we make a big fat F and have to take the class over again. Or because you go to work and now you can't trust your colleagues anymore. Or that deadline is looming. And even though you've been working day and night and day and night, you're not going to be able to get everything done to close the deal. And that could mean doom for your company. And you go to the gym five days a week and you work out and you work out hard and yet you still get sick and your health still fails you. And you go to the dentist and she asks if you've been flossing. And even though both she and you know that the only time that you flossed in the past year was five minutes before the appointment. But you're too ashamed to admit it, and she doesn't want to point that out. And you go on vacation, and you're constantly yelling with your kids, and you're arguing with your spouse because you're overburdened by all the other impossibilities in life, and you couldn't relax and make memories if you tried. You go to church because life is impossible. And if we let it, it will get the best of us. And yet here at church, what we have is the only place in life, the one place in life that will tell you over and over and over again, every single Sunday morning when you get up and come here, that the value of your life, the dignity of your life, the worth of your life is not dependent on how good you are at living it. Because we have already gotten someone who has gotten the best of life for us. And if that isn't worth giving up your Sunday morning, I don't know what is. This is the one thing that actually makes the community here, the friendships worth having. This is the one thing that actually makes the beauty beautiful. This is the one thing that makes the service to the greater good worth doing even when our service doesn't seem like it's making a difference at all. This is the one thing that makes the tradition worth passing on to another generation, and another, and another. It's hope. It's hope in the grace of God. And so I hope you'll join me this week as we take a harder look at this. Um, it is not lost on me that you all are not the people whom I need to be making the case for coming to church. You all are the ones that got up and braved an Ironman triathlon to come here on a picnic Sunday for, for church. So I'm literally preaching to the choir here. But we still need to think about this. I don't think we realize how badly we need this. Church is not a habit that you get out of. It is a need, like eating, that we all have and we don't even know how to name. And I suspect if we come to terms with just how badly we need this, we might not ever want to miss a Sunday again. So I hope you'll join me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask this. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.